0: Hey everybody, Chris Harry with you on a Week 12 Thanksgiving edition of Chargers Weekly. Coming up, the voice of the Chargers, Matt Money-Smith, shares his keys to victory Sunday against the Cardinals. New author Marcellus Wiley checks in to discuss his new book. He'll also talk Joey Bosa's return to the football field. Darren Urban of azcardinals.com closes the show with this week's opposing view. But first, Fox Sports' Daryl Moose-Johnston joins me and previews Sunday's game from Rocket Field at StubHub Center. All right, my first guest will be in the booth along with Chris Myers for Cardinals Chargers on Fox. It's my great pleasure to welcome in Daryl Johnson to Chargers Weekly. Daryl, excited to welcome you to Los Angeles. How you doing?
1: I'm well, I'm well. Looking forward to it.
0: Well, the Chargers' six-game winning streak was snapped Sunday by the Broncos, 23-22. Tough loss. And in comes this Cardinals team with rookie quarterback Josh Rosen, who's been playing better each week. They lost to the Raiders 23-21. But what intrigues you about
1: this matchup
0: at first glance, Darrell?
1: The response of the Chargers. um, You know, for me, there there was a lot of positives going on. You mentioned the six-game winning streak. um, You know, kind of finding different ways to win games. um, and, And then also maybe kind of putting some of the history of the franchise behind them a little bit, and then it kind of bounced back on them against the Broncos. So I'm very anxious to see what the response is. That's a game uh, that they should have won. They were in control at the end. uh, Opportunities during the the course of the game to really separate, and they didn't take advantage of them. So I'm really looking forward to the response of the Chargers. And then really, you probably have to say the same thing about Arizona. Um, You know, I think that that was a game that they probably expected to win. So we've got two teams that, it should come into this matchup with something to prove, uh, especially that uh, the, the way they performed last week was was not up to their standard.
0: Yeah, you know, you were rewind to that Broncos game; there are two turnovers. Philip Rivers hasn't thrown two interceptions in a game all season. Fourteen penalties. I, I think the silver lining for the Chargers: these are correctable mistakes. You cut those penalties in half, you probably win that game
2: against the Broncos.
1: Yes, uh without a doubt, but the, the turnovers is still the, the the big thing. Um and and then even that, you know, I I think the end of the game, even with the clock management, um, you know, the incomplete pass uh that stops the clock and the Denver Broncos have no timeouts left. Uh you still put them down at their 10-yard line. So, uh did Philip Rivers make a mistake? Absolutely. Absolutely. He knows that. Uh you know, you you could kind of tell as soon as the ball came off his hand. Uh you know, he had, he had, he had made the mistake. Um but you your defense had played well you know during the course of the game and you expect them to to be able to hold there so one of the things that we've heard a lot of the teams talk about this season is that element of complementary football uh, when one side's down the other side lifts up uh, when when one when one side is struggling the other one picks up the slack so in a situation like that a mistake made by the by the Chargers offense uh, you, you expect your defense to come out uh, and be able to make a stop. Um, so uh, just in, even the course of the day, you know, a, a Broncos offensive line that, that has some injuries in it and, and you're going up against the front with Joey Boza coming back and, and still just not a lot of pressure on case Keenum. So a lot of things to look at. People will look at the penalties will look at the turnovers, They'll look at that clock management thing, but uh, a lot of co- a lot of correctable areas for the for the Chargers.
0: You know, I think it's a great example too. The talent differential in this league from from one to thirty two is so thin, and it does come down to a few plays. And the Chargers, frankly, have been beneficiaries during their six game winning streak. You know, you have, you have that tipped two point conversion in London to beat the Titans twenty nineteen. Uh, you have a, a close game in Seattle, and that Chargers defense has shown time and time again that they can make those stops. They had a fourth down stop in the first half. Uh, They weren't able to to get it done at the end of the game. But I think it's just a great example of just how close talent-wise this league is from 1-32. to
1: Yeah, yeah. And you're going to have a few teams at the top. Uh, You know, we saw a couple of those guys on Monday night playing uh, in in the shootout with the Rams and the Chiefs. Uh, You got to put the Saints there at the top. But, But I thought, you know, the Chargers were kind of on that fringe. Are are, are they going to move into that elite or are they going to stay here near the top of this group that's next? And then we've got a group down at the bottom and and that's where, you know, you find Arizona, you find Oakland, you find San Francisco down there. Um, And I think that, that Arizona really felt as the season had gone on with the new coaching change, they were ready to take that next step from the, we're going to get out of the bottom and get into that middle of the pack. Um, You know, the chargers, are we going to get it out of that middle of the pack and maybe get into that, that elite level. And, And it was a great opportunity for them You know, to sit there at eight and two and be able to say, hey, the only two teams that have beat us are the Chiefs and the Rams. And and that's a that's a pretty good that's a pretty good uh, statement to be able to tell people. And and you pointed out there are some close games. They found ways to win them, but it doesn't matter. There's no style points in the NFL. Eight and two with your only losses to the Chiefs and the Rams would have been a great position for the Chargers to be in
0: offensively, you could talk about a lot of players from Phillip Rivers to Keenan Allen, who's come on late, two touchdowns this last two weeks. Uh, but Melvin Gordon is having a career year, Daryl, almost 1,200 total yards, 11 total touchdowns, by far the best start to his career. What have you seen from Melvin uh, over this first half of the season?
1: Kind of doing what we've seen uh, Todd Gurley do for the Rams, uh, what we see uh, Ezekiel Elliott doing for the Cowboys the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, not just as a running back in the running game, but also uh, a receiver out of the backfield. And, and those guys are dynamic and and they really kind of shift the game when you can get those guys matched up uh, in your passing game in favorable ways. Uh, it, it's just such a it's such a stress on the defense. So, um, you know, I, I think that Melvin is doing the things that, that this franchise expected when he was brought in. And it's great to see him healthy and playing well and playing consistent. Um, when you have the ability to... Come to the line of scrimmage, and the defense. Number one, everybody says it from week to week when we talk. You know, we've got to stop the run. We've got to stop the run. We're going to try and uh, we're going to try and force them to be one dimensional and throw the football and, and let our two edge rushers get after that quarterback. Uh, you know that, that that's hard to do uh, when you've got a guy like uh, you know Melvin Gordon in the backfield. So um, then you've got your skill positions on the outside, and, and I've always been a huge Philip Rivers fan. You know, I, I do an interview with with Philip. You know, every time we have him, and I walk away a little bit smarter. Uh, you know, in the game of football after chatting with Phillips. So, um, you know, you've got a great guy there kind of coordinating everything. So, you know, the skill players on the outside, uh, you know, a a great running back behind you. And then, and I'm a big Austin Eckler fan. I love the changeup. that's kind of become the new weapon for these offenses around the league. Uh, We we see New Orleans do it with Camaro. We see uh, the, uh, obviously the, the Chiefs doing it with Ireek Hill. Uh, The Bears doing it with Tariq Cohen. Uh, It's this unique running back that can create matchups uh, on the outside as well, so uh, th- there's a lot of there's a lot of talent on this offense, and and I was surprised to see it struggle uh, against the Broncos last week. Yeah, that one-two punch
0: you mentioned in the backfield, Gordon and Eckler. Another guy in that backfield, a position you're very familiar with, Daryl. Derek Watt opening up holes for for Melvin. He's done a lot of the dirty work this year, and he's really an unsung hero. You don't hear a lot about Derek Watt. How important is that fullback for a guy like uh, Melvin Gore to get a few extra yards on each carry?
1: yeah the one thing that i think uh gets overlooked with the fullback i mean these defensive players are becoming so dynamic inside uh, there's a very unique type of defensive tackle that we can see throughout the nfl now the you know the six foot four six foot five three hundred and twenty pound guy that's that's very very quick and, and sometimes you'll you'll have that guy right in the face of the running back and and when you have that fullback there um you know he can cover that guy up he gives the, a, a a maybe a, a play that looked like it was going to be a negative play an opportunity to be a positive and where you've got somebody as talented as Melvin Gordon, you know, behind Derek Watt carrying the ball, um, you know, his ability to, to make up for a mistake and uh, in the offensive line in front of him, or just a great play by one of the defensive players, uh, you give that, that running play a chance. So it, it's not so much just what they're doing when they're executing the run game efficiently, but it's also when the defense makes a play. And you've got that guy in between your running back and the tackler uh, and he can give Melvin an opportunity for a positive play. You
0: flip it over to the Cardinals, Daryl. Josh Rosen, he's been sacked 22 times this year, but was kept pretty clean against the Raiders. I think he was only hit once, sacked once. Uh, what have you seen from Rosen from you know the beginning of the season where he struggled a little bit? Uh, he only had nine completions against the Raiders, but he threw three touchdowns.
1: Yeah, just the growth. Um, and it's one of the things that we hear these quarterbacks say. I mean, there was always that that question of, would you like your your new franchise quarterback to have the opportunity to be on the sideline to learn the game from the sideline to watch a veteran player uh, to be in those meetings to grow during the course of the year um you know w- without having all that added pressure of carrying the franchise or do you want to put him right out on the field and, and let him learn on the fly? Um, you can watch it in practice you can watch the film, but there's nothing better than being out there in the game and you're going to make a few mistakes but you're going to grow and learn from that and and it's interesting to to see these play out in different ways you know Patrick Mahomes now doing what he's doing in year 2 having spent the majority of the year all but one game you know behind Alex Smith in Kansas City we've seen it done a number of different ways and uh you know he was he was slow to getting into the starting lineup um you know but now that he's there uh you know I've seen growth you know each week um and, and that's the most important thing you don't you don't want to see the same mistakes being made twice uh, I, I think the one thing that all the young quarterbacks struggle with when they come to this league is that definition of of what is open um and and do i do i think i can get that ball fitted into that tight spot and uh you know that's one of the big learning curves that they have and and sometimes that comes with turnovers so understanding the value of the possession understanding when it's an opportunity to trust your your skill set to trust, uh, you know what you're capable of doing from the quarterback position and fitting balls in a tight areas, understanding what open is and what open is not at the NFL level, uh, understanding and respecting how talented, you know the cover guys are in this league, how they can bait you into doing certain things to make it look like somebody's open. So it's a process that all the young guys go through, and it's uh, you know, and Josh is in the middle of, of, uh, of that here in his rookie year. Something
0: I've noticed, the rookie quarterbacks this year have struggled a little bit more than I I thought they were going to. And then you look at a game like Monday night with with Mahomes in his second year and golf in in his third year, just the numbers that they put up. And then we look at guys like Rivers and Breeze and Rodgers. It seems like from the neck up, you really have to have it if you're going to succeed in today's NFL.
1: Yeah, you're going to have to be intelligent, but but that's you know you, you've carried that from the college game to the NFL game. I think the most important thing, and, and, and let's just go take a look at those those guys that you mentioned there. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is a young guy, dynamic guy. Um, you know the Kansas City Chiefs move up to grab him uh, at number ten, but look what he has around him. He has a he has a very unique tight end in Travis Kelsey. Um, you know he has an outstanding running back behind him uh, in Kareem Hunt. Uh, he's got the most dynamic player in the NFL in Tyreek Hill. Uh, he's got outstanding wide receivers, Chris Conley, uh, Sammy Watkins on the outside. Um, you know, that, that's that's a tremendous skill set, and and that helps a quarterback. It's hard for a defense to cover all those players uh, during the course of a game. And, and you're starting to see that same thing happen um, with Jared Goff in L.A. You know, in year one, uh, when, when Sean McVay was not there, there was not a lot of support around him. Uh, and that was one of the things that Sean McVay did right away is number one, secure that offensive line in front of them. Let's make sure that we we have pass protection, we have running lanes, uh, and then let's get some players around him besides Todd Gurley. Uh, you know, that will happen, you know, for for Josh Roseland. He'll get an opportunity for that. You know, Philip Rivers has had that, you know, throughout his career. Um, you know, great skill players around him. And then when you get to that point, now you can start to elevate players. You can you can make them even better than they were or or challenge them. Uh, you know to become very very good at their craft, and and that's what you see with a Drew Brees and an Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know a Tom Brady, you know those types of guys that are in this league. Uh, but the most important thing, in my opinion, in the quarterback position is is having a great supporting cast. And I think when we've seen young guys struggle um, from time to time, um, you look at Sam Darnold with the Jets. You know he, he does not have that that dynamic supporting cast around him, uh, and, and that one of the reasons when you get taken high at the quarterback spot is because your franchise is struggling. So there's probably you know, it's going to be a process of getting that talent around that quarterback,
0: Daryl. We'll get you out of here on this. What do you think is going to decide Sunday? What are you looking forward to in this matchup as the Chargers look to get back in the win column, get to eight and
2: three?
1: I think the big thing is is, is defensively they have to take advantage of an offensive line uh, that, that's a little beat up. The Broncos were a little beat up last week, and they didn't take advantage of that. They've got another offensive line that uh, that's struggling a little bit. They can't let David Johnson get moving. Um, you know that that makes everything click and and that's why you know coordinators will always tell us you know we got to stop the run even in this pass happy NFL game when that running game starts to move and you can see the progress you know over the last couple of weeks that the cardinals have made uh, with the success that David Johnson has had you know, running the football, and and now everything starts to open up because you have to change what you're doing defensively. So, the the one thing that uh, that the Chargers need to do is make sure that running game doesn't start. Take advantage of an offensive line that's kind of in flux right now with some injuries, and and then really to me the response uh, by by Philip Rivers on the offensive side of the ball, uh, knowing an opportunity slipped through the fingers last week with that loss to the Broncos, um, you know how are they going to respond? What does this group do after the week to prepare? They have they have everything there. They have good matchups on the outside. As you pointed out, you know, Melvin Gordon's having a, uh, an outstanding season. They, they've got everything in place right now. This is a game uh, that they should take care of their business, uh, but that was a game last week that they should have taken care of their business. And that's one of the things that a really good team does. It, when it's a winnable game, they win those. Uh, there, there are no style points. It doesn't matter. You know, if, if they have that that timing issue at the end of the game and the defense comes on the fields and they shut the Broncos down and you win that game, uh, you know, nobody's going to look back at it, you know, you know, four or five weeks from now, as you're getting ready for the playoffs and, and ask how you won that game. You just see the, the W in the column. So, um, you know, that's the big thing. Take care of your business when you've got a team that, that you're better than. And, and you, we talked about that, that parody that exists in the league. But that there are certain matchups where where one team, if they play the, to the way that they're supposed to play, they take care of their business, they should win the game. Uh, and, and this is one of those games that the Chargers should be able to handle the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and, and we'll see how they respond to that. Daryl
0: Johnston, Fox Sports. Daryl, I appreciate the time. Happy Thanksgiving, and I look forward to seeing you at StubHub Center.
1: Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you as well. All
0: right, guys, before we get to money, I want to tell you that the Los Angeles Chargers rely on Bose QC35 headphones too to black out distractions and focus on what matters most. The same powerful noise-canceling technology helps you concentrate on your music, your work, maybe this podcast, or whatever you're passionate about. Learn more at Bose.com slash Chargers. Bose, the official headphones of the L.A. Chargers. All right, welcome back to Chargers Weekly. Here with Matt Money-Smith, and it's been a while,
2: Money. It has been. Like five Uh, weeks, maybe. Yeah, a little bit of uh, schedule issues with uh, multiple gigs, and we were on the road and all that sort of stuff. It's good to be back in our comfortable digs having a conversation with you about the Chargers.
0: Yeah, well, we're going to put the Broncos in the rear view now. A lot of plays in there that were really frustrating. You know, you could talk about the penalties. You could talk about some of the, the clock management. Miscommunication.
2: What was, what was the most frustrating for you? Well, penalties. I think that's where it all starts. Uh, the, the fact that you get a first and goal from the eight. Next thing you know, you're kicking a field goal. Again, you get into the red zone. And again, you find yourself in the high red zone. Um, it, it was the penalties. You know, you take those out. And I, I think you score touchdown on that first drive. You find yourself up. And I think we're not having the conversation about miscommunication between Melvin and Phillip. About, wow, a 15 year vet throwing a ball into the dirt when a team doesn't have any timeouts. Like, just so un philip Rivers like. I think the penalties, if you erase half of them, that's gone. They're they're scoring touchdowns instead of the first quarter money. Yeah. You know, like I said, those, I think it was, I don't know if it was back to back or if it was back to back to back. Um, in the first quarter when they had their initial drive where they could have scored a touchdown and instead they had to settle for three because of a holding, because of a false start uh, when they had first and goal from the eight. I think that just set the tone for the day. If you erase those two or three penalties on that drive, you go up seven, nothing, After forcing a 3-and-out, and and remember the very next possession, they forced a 3-and-out again, then I think you kind of just set the tone for the entire afternoon and you end up rolling the Broncos.
0: And the defense has made its money on getting stops the last few weeks, whether it was in Oakland, that fourth and goal, uh, the Tennessee two-point conversion, uh, Seattle at the end of the game, Mm -hmm. and uh, the the Broncos' offense goes the length of the
2: field on them. Uh, It's something that they're not used to, really. And I think, you know, I I think certainly – focus on it, especially because of the missed tackles uh, on that drive, you know, specifically. And look, I I think... I think it's fair to to, to cut Jaleel some slack because he is playing out of position. He's not a high safety. He's a box safety, sure. and and he is he's doing the best he can, but I think that's something that's going to have to be talked about um, because they do find themselves in those positions more often, um, and I don't think it's fair to Jaleel. That's just not his natural position, and to force him into that because Derwin's so good in the box and playing strong, uh, you're going to end up having plays like that where he's got to cover more ground than perhaps he's used to, but I think that just kind of even before all of that it's you can't keep asking that group to do it you know the offense had a chance to not have to lean on the defense for once and all they had to do was convert a second and three and a miscommunication not even miscommunication a blown assignment by Melvin and he said it I blew it you know I was supposed to go one direction I went the wrong direction it results in a four-yard sack Instead of a first and whatever, first and ten, and you take four knees and ever, or three knees, and everybody's happy.
0: I talked to a pair of the linebackers, uh Zubnar and, and Emmanuel, yesterday, and I think he said that Philip mentioned, "Hey, listen, we got away with some of this stuff." during the six game winning streak that we didn't get away with against the Broncos. And it's just, it's a time to refocus. Clean it up. You got to clean it up. And, and you could do that against the, the Arizona Cardinals. I watched that game on game pass. It was a, it was a tough Raider- watch with Cardinal the Raiders. Game, yeah, yeah. Terrible. It was, it was, it was Two bad tough. teams.
2: 23,
0: uh, 21, the Cardinals, listen, nine completions for Josh Rosen, three touchdowns.
2: Uh, what do you make of this Cardinals team? I know you've seen them in the past few weeks. Well, they, you know, I thought they were going to have a pretty good offensive line. Just looking at, it on paper when we played him in the when when, when the Chargers played him in the preseason I'm like okay first rounder first rounder first rounder first rounder first rounder. wow okay I, well yeah, yeah. I get it you got David Johnson back healthy you got a rookie quarterback or Sam Bradford who's good when you keep him upright so you invest in Pew and first rounders on your offensive line this could be a good team. Look Plus, out. You got a bell cow in the backfield. Exactly. Coming back fully healthy after a full season of rest. A uh, full service, three down back who can dominate a game. And that offensive line has just been bad uh really really bad and you combine a battle line with a rookie quarterback and you're going to have trouble and and that's certainly been the case this season they still have good pieces at every level of the defense Chandler Jones I like Dale Buchanan flying around at that linebacker spot obviously Pat yep. Peterson so they're, a, they're they've got good players they got individual pieces for sure, exactly but the units aren't good Rose has been sacked twenty two times this
0: year. Yeah. He was only sacked once against the Raiders, but the Raiders, I believe, have nine sacks all year. So you kind of throw that out the window.
2: The Chargers, uncharacteristically, they didn't get to Case Keenum. And how many times had he been sacked this year? Like twenty four or something. And, yeah,
0: and it was an offensive line with Connor McGovern at center. It yeah, was it third was all,
2: string guard, backup center, out of position. Yeah. You know, tackles that have been leaky all year. It was weird that that defensive line. Could not get... To, and look, you credit Keenum. He got rid of the ball on a couple occasions. There was one where I thought he should have been whistled in the dirt uh, that they let him get rid of it. Uh, I don't. It wasn't the Bosa when he had him wrapped up. It was a different... Anyway, you credit Keenum there sure. for having the sure. savvy and the smarts to to force incompletions instead of sacks on three occasions. Silver lining to that
0: pest rush group. 99's out there.
2: 31 snaps. Played more than I thought he was going to play, and I thought he looked good, Money. I mean, just think about his, his first bit of action, right? He... Ends up what five yards, maybe five yards deep in the in the backfield on a screen to, to Philip Lindsay, and he's still able to track him down. I mean, eight and in, in prevent a first down. The very next play, what does he do? He forces Case Keenum into an incompletion because yep. he's in pursuit. I mean, that's the guy's first series of twenty eighteen. The Lindsay
0: chase down was when you knew it's he was back, right?
2: Yeah, just the explosion, uh, the ability to recover. And then I thought the other signature play for Bosa was just because he doesn't get enough credit. And I said this to Haley after the game for his instincts and his smarts and recognizing that screen to Hireman was set up. And as he is full bore about to get after case before he can let go of that screen pass over his head, stops shifts and immediately covers Hireman and forces an incompletion. I mean, those are the things that, that Bosa brings that I think don't show up in a statute that you have to watch every play to recognize. I mean, this he's just he's one of the best, if not the best, in the game.
0: And you get a couple of weeks to to get him ramped up for the home stretch in December. And it was good to see him out there, Melvin Ingram doing his thing. Darwin James actually we just saw the news that he's the leading vote getter at free safety in the AFC for the Pro makes Bowl. Sense. So yeah. yeah. I mean he's leading sense.
2: the team in tackles, he's he's doing his thing and he makes he, he may again you know kind of very similar to what we just mentioned with with bosa makes so many plays that unless you watch the entire game and every single play you're not going to know um again recovering you know in the screen game Putting on pressure, even though he might not get credit for a hurry, a hit, or a sack, just pu- pushing a quarterback into a position where they're either going to make a mistake and throw a pick, or throw an incompletion, or get sacked. I mean, Derwin's been so good at that. And again, it goes back to what we were talking about with Jaleel playing high out of position. Derwin's just so good. Um, you know, when he's in the <laughs> he really box, is. he really is. He impacts the he game like four different positions. Yeah, so much more dramatically when he's not playing high. Now, when he's playing high, he's playing great. And and you can see there is a pretty I think I think there's a pretty significant upgrade there over Jaleel, because uh, Jaleel's great in the box, you know, at least he's comfortable in the box as well. But I think that speaks to how good Derwin is uh playing that box safety role. The
0: guy he replaced is in Arizona in, in Trey Boston. Yeah. And they're asking Coach Lynn, they're asking Phillip if if you have to change anything up because Trey's back
2: there. Do you do you think that's a no, big deal at all? Not at all. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think at all. I mean you're talking about, you know, and again, just kind of throw out the Bronco game because it was a really uncharacteristic. Well, I guess, I shouldn't say that. I mean, Rivers still threw for over 400 yards and two Honestly, touchdowns. Buddy, it was one of the, the completed most what 70 percent of his passes.
0: Efficient offensive game. They had nine plays of 20 or more yards. It was a season high. So it just seems like you go one step forward, two steps back with the penalties, especially in the first half.
2: Yeah, the first interception was. The first interception was bad Phillip, right? He frustrated, trying to make something happen. You could tell it was just getting to him. He was getting hit a lot, under a lot of duress, and just let it fly to the sideline. And we saw that last year uh, in that first four games, you know, the zero and four run. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of switch flips, and barely turns the ball over the rest of the season. And that carried over to this season. So that interception was like, eh, all right, you you know. Yeah. And, and he said it after the game. He recognized, can't do that. And, yeah. um, you know, the second one, Vaughn just came flying through. Read it. It's a great player on a great player. And you credit Vaughn for, for being the better player in that situation. But um, I, I'm i not worried about Trey Boston playing high, not no. not in the least.
0: Well, you mentioned that interception, the Vaughn interception. It was 197 at that point. Had about to be scored? 22. It was about to be a wrap. It yeah. was about yeah, to was be a wrap. It either going to be
2: 22 or more. You know, it would have been 22 or 27 to 7. And that would have been it, you know. And and unfortunately, uh, Von Miller, who's arguably the greatest pass rusher in the NFL right now, made a play. He could wreck a game. Yeah. And he and he, look, he came in with 10 sacks. He had a couple sacks. He had pressures all over the place. I mean, so much so that Tevi had to come out of the game because he was just, you know, I guess they didn't want to commit more help to Tevy's side um, personnel-wise. So... That's it's just, yeah, it's a great player making a play.
0: You know, a player... Change uh, the game. You know, a player on the Cardinals that I think you're going to have to account for, not only special teams, but also on offense, Christian Kirk. You remember that game? Yeah, punt return. Turf monster got yeah, him. Yeah, he tripped. Yeah, He, he would have had a surefire touchdown. He's had a 44-yard punt return money. He's had a 75-yard touchdown. He had a 59-yard bubble screen touchdown. Uh, he's one of those players, he's not close to Tyreek Hill. I'm just saying that he could change a game with one play. you got to account for him.
2: Well... I think it's also important to note uh, and not to pile on someone who can't defend himself, but who was punting. And as someone who watched it all last year and this year, Drew Kayser really likes his leg Mm. and likes to show off how hard he can kick a ball. And we saw it last year routinely outkick his coverage. And while Donnie Jones does not have a big leg like a lot of other punters do, look at the return yards. You know, he, he is... I think top five in, in return yards. So even though he, if you look at his gross numbers, he's at the bottom of the league. Don't care about gross, care about net. And yeah. the net numbers are really good with Donnie Jones. So I feel a lot better about saying, okay, I don't, I don't need to worry about carrying over what we saw, at least in the game, the preseason game, that Christian Kirk should have scored a touchdown and a punt because Kayser out punted his coverage by about 20 yards like sure, he did sure. routinely. Yeah. What's Sorry, your- Drew, but come on. Donnie's been good. Don- that's what I mean. His net, his return yards have been great. His net and his gross aren't great. He doesn't have a huge leg, but he's able to put spin rotation on the ball. He's a savvy vet. He knows how to get it to bounce his right way. You know, and, and people, are like, oh, you know, he's getting a lot of roll after the punt. I don't care. That's, that's also part of punting. Yeah. Someone who knows how to put rotation and spin on a ball to get it, to bounce the right way, where to land it near a sideline. So it can't be returned. And Donnie's really good at that.
0: And, money he's a he's a locker room favorite that donnie, donnie.
2: jones donnie i mean it's crazy right <laughs> the guy's chanted as he comes off
0: there's something coming out hang time with donnie i think it's this week i think it's on chargers.com it's pretty funny you check i'm it sure out. Yeah. I mean, he's
2: the per- it's I, I we had mike pouncey on the the radio show with, with me and petros and uh we asked him, I was like, hey, I saw a photo on, on uh, Instagram of you. And the whole O-line, it was really cool to see. It kind of speaks to the camaraderie on this team. You know, it was Michael Schofield and his wife, for those that don't know, played hockey, Olympic hockey. So they went to the Ducks game, right? To, to the Ducks game. So the whole O-line is there. And I'm like, oh, cool. There's there, there's Feeney and there's Pouncey and there's – there is a." Is that, is that Badgley? And is that Donnie Jones? <laughs> so I said to uh, Pouncy, we asked him, I said, he said well, what was that? I said, it was an old line outing, but you had your punter and your kicker with you. He's like, oh, we love those guys, man. Yeah, those I'm guys like, hang, man. That's... That's the first I've ever heard of it. Normally – That position group is not even in the conversation. They're doing ball tricks on their own on the other side of the field while everyone else is doing gassers and squats (laughs) and looking at them and hating every single thing about them because they're trying to spin a ball on their head and YouTube it. Yet those two have managed to work their way into the good graces of the whole team. And I think it speaks to how close this team is uh, from quarterback – to, to Mike went the long snapper, to, to the rookie kicker, Michael Badgley, who rolls around everywhere, I think, with sunglasses on and I think is now going by the Money Badger. He's the is, best. Is you his know, nickname. He,
0: he missed the extra point, but listen, Justin Tucker missed an extra point this year. You, you're going to have misses from time to time, but he has
2: been money. Money Badger is a great nickname. Yeah, he uh, and look, it was a big miss. They lost by one point. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, knowing what this team has gone through with kicking, Guy made a 46, 45, and made a field goal to take the lead, uh, to put the Chargers up by two with four minutes to play. So I'm with you. I'm I'm all right with that. It's not ideal. Don't want to miss an extra points, but not going to put that loss on him. Josh Rosen coming back to Los Angeles, I think Manhattan Beach, 10 miles up the road, went to UCLA. Uh, it's don't forget, a- played at Bosco now. Yeah, now we got Bosco. Uh, That's right. That game will already be over by the time this airs. So I hope I don't pull back the curtain and this gets edited out. But uh, you got Bosco Mater Day on Friday night. So his alma mater, uh, one of the the powerhouses here in Southern California. Big, big weekend for Josh. Are you surprised that he
0: struggled a little bit this year? Or or has it come down to the fact that you don't have a ton of weapons? The offensive line's been
2: so-so, and there's been a coordinator change. There's been a lot. A um, couple of things. One, yes and no. So I'm not surprised because the offensive line has struggled to protect him. And when we did the preseason game, uh, I was surprised at kind of how, I don't want to say immobile – but just how uncomfortable he looked on the move. I was like, man, I don't remember that at UCLA. I kind of remember him being able to shift in the pocket, and you know, while he's not using his legs to get first downs, he was able to kind of move around and looked a little fluid back there and I didn't see any of that. I saw a guy that was kind of stiff, that was uncomfortable when he was moved off his spot, was making really bad throws. Um, and I think that's carried over kind of what we saw in that preseason game, the fact that you have got to keep him clean. Yeah. Um, now, again, you mentioned nine completions, but three of them were for touchdowns, and that speaks he's to efficient. his accuracy. Yeah. And he can throw a beautiful ball. So I think that's, that's the deal with Josh is he's going to be a Matt Ryan type where if you've got a good O-line in front of him, good weapons around him, that dude can deal, you know. He'll be able to put the ball where you need him to put it, and he's going to have 350 and 400-yard games in his career. He just ain't ready to have it with that offensive line in front of him. Finally, Money, what's the key to 8-3 for the Chargers on Sunday? I think just – it sounds stupid, but just – play what you've been doing without the Bronco game. You know, play the game you've been playing if you take the Bronco game out of the mix. The interceptions were out of character for Phillip Rivers. 7-0
0: or yeah. with one or no turnovers. Right.
2: and because that was the first time he had a two-interception game this season. So get rid of that. Get rid of the penalties. It was the most penalties they've had under Coach Lynn, so you assume they'll do that. And clean it up. You know, it's been it's been an offense that's been one of the best in the league. I know it's not the eye popping numbers of the Saints, Chiefs, and Rams, but when you look at balance, run to pass to Phillips efficiency, to the fact that they're spreading it out, how many got you know Mike Williams five touchdowns, Tyrell Williams with the fifty plus touchdowns, Keenan Allen with all the third down conversions, like it's wild, it's everything. Yeah. So just do what you do and and clean it up, and you'll be fine. You know, that's kind of the way I look at. It. I do. There is a little part of me that would really like to see them. Just poured on. You know, I would really like to see a Cleveland Browns-like performance where they went into that game and there were a lot of people picking the Browns and it's the emergency. You know, the Chargers are in a cold weather climate now and here these Browns are coming on, Miles Garrett, and they took it to It was a wrap in the first half. And that's what I'd like to see is just take a team that's got no business being in a game with you. To the woodshed and, and lay it on thick and end all the conversation uh, about what happened in that, that Broncos game so you can look forward to Pittsburgh. December's a big month. Got to take care
0: of Sunday, Crazy. though,
2: first. So. Have to. Yep. If they don't take care of Sunday, and now you're talking about, okay, is this a collapse? You know, because Pittsburgh ain't going to be easy in prime time. Got to go to the Chiefs on a Thursday night. It's going to be freezing cold in Kansas City, dealing with elements against the best offense in the league. And then you're talking about going to Denver, and you're going to have to win one of those games if you want to get to 10 wins, if you drop this one. You know, win your home games, you get to 10 wins, you're a lock for the playoffs. It's that simple. If they can win three home games, they are in. Uh, They do better than that, and maybe that game, I'd love to see that game on Thursday night Means something for the division. Me too.
0: Money, happy Thanksgiving. It's good to be back. Happy Thanksgiving week. Yeah, we're going to have you on a a lot more often here as the the stretch
2: run continues. Looking forward to it. Good to be back. Happy Thanksgiving to you and uh, everybody out there. All
0: right, my next guest will be signing his new book, Never Shut Up Outside the Team Store on the main concourse of Rocket Field StubHub Center before the Chargers take on the Cardinals. Former Chargers defensive end Marcellus Wiley joins me. Marcellus, congrats on the new book, my man. How are you?
3: Oh, I'm doing great, man. Uh, excited to come out and once again see the boys go get it. Hopefully we leave with that smiling, winning feeling. But yes. uh, it's going to be fun to be around the fans once again. Loving it.
0: Yeah, got to bounce back on Sunday. Uh, you know what? You came on, I think it was right before Raider Week, and, and the book wasn't out yet, but we talked about it a little bit. But for those who may not have heard that segment, tell us about the book, Never Shut Up.
3: Yeah, it's a book to inspire everyone out there, no matter what your circumstances are, your adversity, um, it's just to inspire you to never shut up in terms of telling the world exactly what you want and telling the world exactly who you are. Uh, I'm a kid from the inner city, Los Angeles, Compton, California, South Central Los Angeles, and a lot of people growing up told me my limits, uh, those limitations, what I could be, what I couldn't be. And it was just about my essence, uh, never shutting up and really just trying to plan a life that was going to allow me and my family to leave our circumstances, to leave the neighborhood and and to make something of ourselves. So uh, I really went out there with my only two talents I had, which was my academic success and uh, my athletic prowess. And I was a pretty good football player at a young age so I just try to balance those two and make the best way possible out the hood for me and my family so uh, that's my story but everyone has adversity everyone has a circumstance that they want to overcome and make their dreams a reality so never shut up in terms of telling the world exactly what you want
0: no doubt about that Marcellus what motivated you to write the book or, or when did you know that this was something that you wanted to do
3: Oh, man. Years ago, five years plus, uh, publishers came to me knowing my story on paper and thought it was an amazing story, a unique story, and they wanted to put it out there. Uh, But at that time, I I felt like it was going to be too narrow of scope. Uh, I thought it was going to be too much focused on football and third and goal and a cloud of dust. And I didn't want that story. I didn't want it to be limited just to the gridiron. Uh, I wanted it to really expand beyond the game to the game within the game and the long game of life yeah uh, i retired at age 32 and being retired i played 10 years a decade in the nfl and still i'm 32 years young and i'm in the real world so uh once i was able to grasp my experience outside of the game broadcasting family life Uh, some of the real-world dynamics, and I can incorporate those with the football stories, then I thought we had something. So it took about five years for them to finally nudge me to this place, but I'm glad and so excited that I did it.
0: Well, once you get to that place, walk me through the process of, of writing a book, Marcellus. I'm always fascinated by this because there's so much that goes into it, and you mentioned just, I mean, first and foremost, collecting your thoughts, right, over the course of your life, putting pen to paper, then editing, publishing. Uh, I'm just—I'm intrigued by the entire process and just how long it takes.
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a therapeutic process, but it's a daunting experience as well. Uh, what to put in, what not to put in. Uh, yeah. you, you certainly are smart to have someone to bounce it off of. And I was blessed to have someone by the name of Chris Farah, uh, a writer, a guy who's working at Funny or Die, but just a a great guy that turned into a great friend and confidant who I could synthesize the, the book with. So what do we put in and what do you not put in? Uh, what becomes story? What doesn't uh, it, it has to follow a theme. So I think to synthesize it was critical. Uh, There's so many stories in this book and there are even more stories, not in this book, just because uh, you're talking about a life yeah. of experiences, lifetime experiences, trying to put them all in, within 300 pages uh it, it, it there's a lot more on the cutting room floor that is some great material so you, you take that process man and you just plow through it every day and make sure you're consistent and one day you look up you actually got a book to read
0: that's why That was my next question is is how much did you have to take out and then when, when you see what you have to take out you're probably like oh man i, I kind of wish we kept that one in you know
3: Oh, absolutely. There's so many stories, especially me being in the media. I played a decade of football, but I've been broadcasting for 12 years. So there are people out there, fans out there that know so many stories about me. And uh, there's a Ferrari story. The day I bought a Ferrari. Thank you, Dean Spanos. Uh, but the day I bought a Ferrari and. uh That didn't go so well the the day I bought that Ferrari. And some people know that story, but that story is not in the book. So there are countless examples like that. Uh, Obviously, I had to protect my teammates. I had to protect uh, people that I was around. This wasn't Jose Canseco's book. Uh, I wasn't writing a book to out anybody. Uh, I told the stories as they needed to be told, but I protected the guilty. So it was fun.
0: I bought the audio version. I just told you offline. And I said, by the way, it's already five stars. You said it doesn't matter anyway. You can't you can't change your your life story. But it is five stars. And I joked with you about this, Marcellus. I was like, you know what? You have the voice to narrate the book. And you actually do narrate this book. And you, you touched on it briefly the last time we talked. You said that that was one of the more daunting tasks you've ever done.
3: Oh, my God. It was. So daunting. I'm talking about three straight days, 21 hours of reading my own material <laughs> beyond the, the 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 weird feeling you get from just watching yourself work. But to read my own words, to read my own life, uh, first you read it and then you're like, okay, perfect context, good emotion. But uh, I I stuttered over that word. Okay, let me do it again. Then you get the word right. But you're like, ah, gotta make sure i put them in the right mind frame for that exact moment it felt like i had to read every sentence at least three different times man and it was just crazy because i wanted to express and convey the energy and the emotion i had with every word every line so uh i'm flattered by how well it's selling i'm flattered by uh the rave reviews uh but it's funny as i was telling you uh this is one that is not It's not art for me. It's not like I went out there with a subjective experience and tried to persuade others or uh, impress others. I basically just kind of told my story, my life through my eyes and how I process the world. But I'm so glad and thankful that the reception has been so great for it so far.
0: All right, one more about the book. Without giving anything away, Marcellus, what was your favorite moment or favorite part of the book that you got to tell?
3: Uh, I think it's really just when I achieved my dreams. And I I think it was twofold. Uh, The first one was actually going to a college, a university, Columbia, uh, with such a great academic reputation and just being the first in my family not only to graduate but obviously, that goes to such an esteemed university. Uh, that was very rewarding. Uh, it's the role less traveled, especially for athletes. A lot of guys don't don't qualify, or even if they do qualify, don't choose to go to an Ivy League school. So to break down those barriers and to kind of poke fun at the, the statistics that say you won't make it out of Columbia or the Ivy League, that was rewarding. But also just the entire NFL experience. Like everything I went through at the NFL, good, bad, ugly, Uh, so amazing to talk about. Because now you're sitting here in a different point of life, different level of enlightenment. Uh, I'm I'm dis I'm distanced from all the emotion of those moments, but now I can intellectually or logically look at them, and it's just fun to just realize you you did something that is a one in a million experience. Mm. So. Uh, Just talking about all of that, from being eight years old with a big helmet on and and equipment that's too big for your body, to (laughs) finally being one of the big guys on the field, man, and having the crowd roar for you and having impressive years in the league. Uh, Just to watch all that come full circle was a dream come true.
0: Well, hey man, I'm happy for your early success with this book. It's perfect for the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas coming up. Uh, and you'll be there at Stubhub Center doing a little book signing outside the team store. So fans can come check you out pregame. Uh let's let's move to the Chargers. Number ninety nine was back on the field against the Broncos. Uh listen, the Chargers stubbed their toe a little bit against Denver, but it was encouraging to see number ninety nine out there.
3: It certainly was, man. Uh just to watch him come out there in pregame warm ups and get ready, uh, you can just feel the energy change because he's been such a consistent pass rusher and excellent at it. Uh, his motor is undeniable, and his hand combat is second to none. So, um, you know, I went out there with very little expectations because, one, is about getting acclimated to the speed again, getting your conditioning, and, you know, knocking a little rust off. But, I still saw some some very positive plays from him as well, and uh, we know how great he is when everything is it, everything is working and everything is rolling. So I look forward to that. But once again, you're right. We did shoot ourselves in the foot. This is uh, not the first game I've seen the Chargers lose where I'm like they actually won. They won the game, but they didn't win the scoreboard. Mm. So uh, those those are easier things to fix uh, than the opposite. So. Still holding the Chargers, obviously, in high regard.
0: It's got to be frustrating for these guys, though. You know, w- When you were playing and you lose a game that you're supposed to win, you you look at the, the game, everything but the scoreboard, you mentioned uh, it was in the Chargers' favor. Are, are those harder to get over, or, or is it just, hey, it- it's more motivation to go out there on Sunday and, and bounce back?
3: Yeah, I-, I think they're harder to get over emotionally because you know you let one go, you let one get away, uh, that regret. Like, you don't don't get that bad taste out of your mouth until you get another win. Uh, But I think from a coaching staff, in their perspective, they have to feel better about those games because, look, it beats the alternative, which is, if you're Denver, you're like, we got our butts kicked, but we won a game. Uh, That's not a replicable formula. That's not something you want to duplicate game in, game out, get beat up, but win games. Uh, I understand that we all want to win, but there's also a way that we want to win. There's something that about the process, about uh, being good in a running game, being good to pass the game, playing defense, how all that culminates in a win. Because when that happens, then you have confidence. And then you also have a game plan that you can go out there and duplicate. But when you just kind of Mr. Magoo your way to it, and you're like, whoa, how do we end up winning this game? Uh, Confidence doesn't – you don't gain confidence in those moments, even though you may get a win.
0: Well, I tell you, I'll get you out of here on this, Marcellus. They got to take care of business on Sunday, and December is a whole other animal. You got Pittsburgh on the road. You got Kansas City on the road. You got a primetime game against Baltimore. You got to go to Denver. You got to play Cincinnati. How would you assess this AFC, knowing what Kansas City did on Monday night, uh, knowing that New England's there? uh, How do the Chargers fit into this equation as we get into December?
3: Yeah. Look, this week, let's just be real. You can't lose to this team, so it's a must win. And uh must wins are, are dictated by many ways and, and many different elements. But this element is you can't lose to a sorry team and that's just the way it is. Um so you look at the AFC picture, um they're right where they need to be. Uh but I think the, the, the class of the AFC right now has to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh just by how they're they're scoring points at will. Uh just their scoring offense is just it, it's a difficult task for any defense no matter how daunting, how daunting uh the task may be. You you're you're in tough sledding going against Patrick Mahomes and that offense. Um but then behind them is the Patriots, a lot of that's resume. A lot of that is just experience and they've been there, done that. Um but I could see easily the Chargers knocking them off as well. Um, and they're right where they need to be. They're right there in the tier one of teams in the AFC. So uh, respect to the Chargers, but you can't let games like Denver go uh, because then that's when you start to doubt yourself. Uh, That's when the team stops looking as advertised. So uh, I like where the Chargers are before the game, Denver game. Uh, A lot of people, including myself, were thinking, hey, this may be – third fourth best team in the nfl you got the saints you got the rams you got the chiefs you got the chargers uh but let's not let too many denver games get by because that can all change
0: well we'll see what happens on sunday marcellus wiley fs1 speak for yourself with jason whitlock and of course got a new book never shut up marcellus can't thank you enough for your time man and uh, congrats again on the book and we'll see you at stub all
3: right look forward to it man go boats baby
0: all right, before we get to Darren Urban, a quick break to let you know that this season we've taken Chargers Weekly to the next level. That's because I'm using Bose Comfort 35 Headphones 2 on air now. The powerful noise-canceling technology helps me black out distractions and brings you the latest news on the Los Angeles Chargers. And when I'm not recording, I tell you this every single week, these are my go-to wireless headphones. They help me black out noise. I'll use them this week to concentrate on my game prep and, of course, bring you that next episode of Chargers Weekly. Visit Bose.com slash Chargers to learn more about the most powerful Bose headphones yet. Bose, the official headphones of the NFL. All right, to get this week's opposing view, now joined by Darren Urban of azcardinals.com. And Darren, I appreciate you spending some time with us. The Cards had one that went down to the wire Sunday against the Raiders, 23-21. Looked like there were some positives to be taken out of it, though. Uh, What ultimately decided it?
4: Well, I appreciate you talking about the positives. Unfortunately, it was probably the negatives that ultimately doomed the Cardinals. Uh, they were in a position where they really should have won the game. They're up by a point. Uh, their offense had been dormant much of the game after the first quarter, uh, but they came up with a touchdown drive with about to score with about five minutes left, and it was probably one of six or seven different incidents that if any one of them had gone differently for the Cardinals, uh, they would have been able to hold off Oakland and instead they all kind of fell apart. There was a drop, couple dropped interceptions. There was a, a dropped screen pr- pass that stopped the clock. There was a bad penalty, uh, a post uh, post play penalty by Jermaine Gresham. There was a holding call on a 57 yard touchdown run by David Johnson that while he might not have scored a touchdown without the holding call, would have kept the clock running. That would have uh, helped the Cardinals. Uh, it just overall was just kind of a collapse. Um, at the end of the game that allowed the Raiders who, you know, weren't necessarily playing great football themselves to escape with a win. And it it was kind of a gut punch to this team that, you know, playing at home, playing a Raiders team that has struggled mightily, you know, they thought they were going to get.
0: Yeah. You know, I I see some parallels in the way that the Chargers lost and that he lose by a point and there were a, a myriad of things that happened throughout the course of the game that probably could have flipped it. So both teams coming off tough losses. What are the Cardinals saying about coming to Los Angeles on Sunday to play this Chargers team, Darren?
4: Well, I mean, they know the Chargers are good. And, uh, you know, that's something uh, that, you know, they they want to try and get this Raiders loss out of their system as soon as possible because they know they can't be thinking about that when they go on the road to play – the chargers and you know the last time they went on the road they went to kansas city and they lost uh but they arguably played their best overall game of the year both in terms of how the, their offense was able to run and some elongated uh scoring drives the way they played defense they did give up 26 points to the chiefs but the last touchdown came after an interception and and bad uh bad field position for the cardinals defense and for the most part, they did a nice job on the Chiefs, you know, who, you know, just go out and score 54 in the Rams and, and they held the Chiefs to more than 10 points below their season average at the time. So they felt good about how that went. They sacked Pat Mahomes five times in that game. So, um, they did do some good things so that, to come back against the Raiders and and open up pretty well they had two touchdowns in the first quarter their offense looked like it had some life david johnson had a great game uh but to to have the offense kind of go in the tank uh for a chunk of the game and to have the defense kind of uh, give up too many yards there at the end to allow the game winning field goal uh that that was those were the steps back that were hard so going into the charger game um, you know, you know, you got somebody you're going to have to defend running the ball on Melvin Gordon who, you know, the Cardinals have not been great against the run for big, big spots all year. And, and that's a concern. Philip Rivers is a veteran quarterback who knows what he's doing. And obviously, defensively, I don't think anybody's going to argue that the Chargers have a better defense than the Raiders. And so this offense better figure some things out in a short amount of time.
0: Well, offensively, it looks like Arizona has made more of a concerted effort just to get David Johnson the ball since Byron Leftwich took over the the play calling. When he had twenty five carries, one hundred thirty seven yards against the Raiders, in, in which ways has that offense changed since Leftwich took over the offense, Darren?
4: Well, you you touched on the, the most important point, which was getting David Johnson not only more involved but involved in different ways. He only had one catch the other day. Uh, and you know, they only had like three targets and I I still think in in a perfect world, they'd be throwing the ball to him a little bit more often, but you know, again, you got to have, you got to have extended drives to have more chances to do those things. And, you know, in the middle quarters, they were getting a lot of three and outs, but, um, they have run the ball a lot better. They're running the ball, you know, on the perimeter a little bit more. Uh, and they've gotten better blocking, and and I just been I just think they made the tweaks to make sure David Johnson, who's their best offensive player, and was coming into the season, is is getting the ball where he needs to get it so that they can have some success. So, I I think that that is a a major major factor here right now. I mean they've got a rookie quarterback and Josh Rosen who's struggling like rookie quarterbacks do, and you know he's he's had a couple of mistakes. He threw a couple more interceptions. Got eight interceptions in the last. Uh, three starts, four starts. I think it's four starts, and that's too many turnovers. And you know, they're trying to find ways to get the ball, let's say, to Larry Fitzgerald, who did have two touchdown catches last game, but he only had two catches. Uh, you know, and it's 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 been tough. And and they they don't have a whole lot of playmakers offensively aside from David Johnson. Christian Kirk, the rookie receiver, has played fairly well, but he's learning on the job, and it's not like he's a big outside receiver he's more of a quick inside shifty guy so you know i i think there's a lot of things that they are going to need to do in the offseason to upgrade stuff but in the meantime you've got to offensively ride david johnson and they have done a better job of that And i think that has been byron the byron left which had two things he had to do he had to one uh more immediately help david johnson become the the bell cow this offense again which they desperately needed and then two to, to develop Uh, Rosen, and uh, that's definitely a work in progress at this point.
0: Well, it's a homecoming for Rosen. You mentioned just taking pressure off a rookie quarterback with David Johnson, but you know Rosen played his ball at UCLA, obviously. He grew up in Manhattan Beach, about 10 miles from StubHub Center. Uh, How much has he improved from his first start to present, Darren? I saw he only had nine completions. I think it was nine for 20 against the Raiders, but uh, there seems to be improvement each and every week.
4: Well, I think I think there has there are things you can look at and then you feel like it's getting better and then you, there's things you look at and you're like mm, you you really like to have that be something you've checked off by now and that you're not still doing. I mean, uh, the Raiders game was a great example. He did throw three touchdown passes. Um, all of them were of different varieties that that left you thinking. Okay, the first one was a, a beautiful 18 yard strike. Uh, in a perfect place in the back of the end zone to uh, Larry Fitzgerald over the defensive back. Uh, The second one, he audibled to a quick screen. I mean, in terms of the length of the play, it really had nothing to do with Josh Rosen, but the fact that he audibled seeing that Christian Kirk had uh, an advantage being where he was on that side of the ball and he whipped the ball out to him at the line of scrimmage and Kirk was able to take it uh, 59 yards for a touchdown. So that was impressive. And then the last touchdown came uh, on a beautiful route by Larry Fitzgerald actually uh, but he put it on the money and those are the things you're like okay um, but then you also see some other things where you know he's his first interception there was a little bit of pressure but he climbed in the pocket and he just he hung a ball that was in a bad place and it got intercepted and the the second interception was one where he kind of stared down the receiver and Uh, It ended up deflecting off the receiver and the defensive back into the air. And you're like, okay, you'd rather not have that happen. And again, you're hoping that he, going forward, he'll have more weapons around him. But, uh, you know, these are the things that, again, there's a good and bad. You're absolutely taking things that you're liking out of every week. um, But he's definitely got to get more consistency.
0: The offensive line and, you know, Josh Rosen, his success, go hand in hand too. And I believe... His first interception, he was hit by Maurice Hurst. I think it was Maurice Hurst, but he he was only sacked once that game. He's been sacked twenty two times this season. H- has the offensive line gotten better the past couple of weeks, or was it just that you know you're playing the Raiders and they don't have a ton of pass rush?
4: No. Yeah, well, I was going to say the Raiders got nine sacks total this year. So I mean, that's the Raiders are just not a very good pass rushing team. So I I, I don't want to go overboard. I mean, I I think when you were in Kansas City. Um, I think he ended up getting sacked five times with three of them came at the very end of the game in the last half of the fourth quarter, when they were down by, uh, you know, they were needing two touchdowns to have a chance and that that's not a good recipe when you're on the road in arrowhead to, to have to pass every play. Uh, But up until that point, they had done all right because they were, um, you know, balancing the offense when they're, when they're a balanced offense in Kansas city, they had two long touchdown drives where it was, you know, lots of runs passes mixed in. It was, it was basically textbook football. If you're a, you know, one of those purest coaches where you're, know, you're doing a little running, a little bit of passing, just smart all the way around the offensive line looks okay. You know, you can live with them, but they're not great, but they they're solid. Um, it's, it's when you're getting to the point where you're having to pass and that's, that's what's hurt them. They they've done a better job again with the way they've schemed things up with David Johnson, not only like getting David the ball, but being able to run block. Um, but there are still some issues uh, pass blocking. And again, there are many things that go into it. It's not just the line. It's, it's Josh Rosen maybe holding the ball too long here and there. It's, it's receivers that might not be able to get the separation they need. There's, a, there's, there's issues across the offense that um, they're still going to need to work on the rest of this season and into next
0: defensively Darren I look at this card's defense and you got a pair of all pros you got Patrick Peterson at corner you got Chandler Jones third in the NFL in sacks 10 and a half. he has 30 sacks in his 42 games as member of the Cardinals uh, what's been the biggest challenge for the defense this season when, when you talk about just giving up points because you, you have talented pieces there it, it just seems like collectively it's been a little bit of a struggle
4: there's been there's been two major Achilles heels I think the the biggest one and the one I mentioned before is they they're having they have too many issues stopping the run and it's not 100 percent of the time it feels like there are times when they're just doing fine and then all of a sudden there'll be uh, a segment of the game where all of a sudden and this happened against the Raiders where they were doing okay and then all of a sudden in the third quarter they could not stop the run and. You know the Raiders were gashing them for big chunks, and that happens far too often. Um, and when they're when they are forcing teams to pass, they do okay. They did it against Kansas City. Um, you know, in other games, you've got a pass rush led by Chandler Jones, and overall, they've got some other guys that can get to the quarterback or harass the quarterback. Um, and you know, those are you know they can they can make some things happen. The other issue is when teams do have to pass. There's been far too many secondary breakdowns. Uh, you know, It's, it's not constant, and it's not all the time. The teams are not going to throw a Patrick Peterson most of the time, and too many of the other guys have made mistakes um, that they can't have. I mean, in the Raiders' uh, game-winning field goal drive, uh, the Raiders had no timeouts, and they were on their own side of the field, and cornerback um, uh, Ben Benwickery got beat for a 32-yard gain over the top that set up basically the Raiders field goal. And, you know, in that situation with, you know, barely over a minute to go and, and the Raiders in deep trouble you, and no timeouts, you, that's just something you can't do. And even coach D Wilkes said that, and you just, you can't get beat for a long pass over, over the top. And, and that's what happened. And it's those little things where it's like, okay, okay, okay. Oh, okay. And it's, you know, In this league, you you only get so many chances to make mistakes. You can do things right 95% of the time, but the 5% is going to beat you.
0: Larry Fitzgerald, you mentioned him, Darren. Two more touchdowns Sunday on two catches. One of the classiest players this league has ever seen. You've covered him your whole career. Does this surprise you in the least that he's been this productive, having just turned 35 at the start of the season?
4: Well, I know that... Uh, i'm sure larry i'm sure a lot of people i'm sure a lot of fans would love for him to be more productive this season um you know his numbers the last three years have been spectacular you know when we 're talking about over hundred catches and breaking a thousand yards and even at his age and it was it was going really well even when the team wasn't being quite as successful as they wanted and then this year, with all the offensive troubles and everything like that his his numbers are way way down um but i don't really think it's much to do with him quite frankly he, he was a little beat up early with a hamstring um but a lot of it just has to do with the ineffectiveness of the offense and the inability to have drives and and to have other guys take pressure off I and mean, one of the things david johnson always did as a receiver a couple of years ago when he was healthy and having his great year was you know teams had to worry about him and then fits might be able to use that as, as a way to get open but uh Larry Fitzgerald, his talent is is still there. I mean, when you're 35, you're not the same player as when you're 26, and he knows that. Um, but he's still uh, incredibly effective. He's still a really important piece to this team, both on the field and in the locker room. And you know, when they win uh, and when they have success, uh, there's almost always a parallel with him producing something. You know, when when he does well they have a chance to do well. When he doesn't do well, it's really, really difficult for them to do much.
0: Darren, we'll get you out of here on this. What do you think is going to decide this game? What are you looking for from the Cardinals when you see this Chargers offense, this Chargers defense, this team coming off a loss to the Broncos, uh, needing to get to 8-3? And, and And, of course, the, the Cardinals hoping to just I- improve upon uh, what's happened so far this season.
4: Well, I mean, I, I think it's just so important for the Cardinals to not Uh, be playing from behind the whole game. And it's, it's one thing to be down by a touchdown. That's really not that big of a deal. Uh, But if you get, if it becomes more than that, if they, if they let the chargers dominate them on the ground, if they, if they're forced to throw a lot and then that charger pass rush is able to just pin their ears back and come after Josh Rosen, that would be a bad thing. They just, they need to be inspired uh, that they can do this stuff again. They played pretty well in Kansas city. And I think a lot of people, Everywhere were surprised that the Cardinals were in that game for most because it was a the Cardinals had the ball uh, at their own forty yard line with twelve minutes to go in the game only down six points and I thought they were going to drive down and score they had just gotten a long pass before Rosen's interception uh, led to a Chiefs touchdown and kind of ended things so if they can keep it close and and do some things with David Johnson offensively and not let Rosen have to pass every game I I think they can make this interesting so. Whether that can come to fruition, we will find out. But uh, I, I think that's really important. They can't, they can't get down big early and then you know, just let the Chargers run on them and then just pass rush all day.
0: Darren Urban, azcardinals.com. Darren, I look forward to seeing you at StubHub Center. Should be a good one, man. We're looking forward to it.
4: I appreciate it. Thanks.
0: And that's going to do it. A big thanks to Darren Urban, Marcellus Wiley, Matt Money-Smith, and Daryl Johnson for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. Don't forget, if you like what you hear, be sure to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Please help spread the word. And finally, a very happy Thanksgiving to all our Chargers Weekly listeners out there. Very thankful for your support each and every week. Look forward to keeping this thing rolling into December, into the new year. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and until next time, I'm Chris Havery.